Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat learning session with Rabbi Chaim Singer Franks. My name is Chaim Singer Franks, if you don't know me already. I am um, the staff chaplain at Kaiser Panorama City Medical Center. That's what I do as a rabbi. And uh, it is a, a fairly rare opportunity for me to do, to take the opportunity to do some, some Torah teaching. And so I thank Rebecca and, uh, and uh, Hillary and Reb, well, the whole rabbinic team here at, at Beth Am for giving me the opportunity to do this. Not as much as we thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Message received. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do, we're going to look at a couple of different sources today. I'm gonna, I'd like to go ahead and, and pass them out. And there are two sources that look at practices in preparation for Rosh Hashanah. And one could say that these two sources couldn't be different from one another, but I don't think that's, that's necessarily the case. Yes, one of them is a Hasidic source, which by definition def differentiates him from his... Uh, counterparts who are more oriented toward halacha, per se, toward law. But on the other hand, I think it's fair to say that we might find some similarities between those, these two sources. So uh, would anyone like to read aloud uh, the passage, the entry that we have about chaye adam? Joey, go ahead. Oh, a mic, okay. Thank you. Chaye Adam, The Life of Man, is a work of Jewish law by Rabbi Avraham Danzig, 1748-1820, dealing with the laws of, laws discussed in the Orach Chaim section of the Shulchan Aruch. Chaye Adam was intended primarily for the cultured layman, as opposed to rabbinic scholars, and the work is thus presented in a readily accessible form. In many cities, <coughs> the societies were formed for the purpose of studying Chaye Adam. The scholarship of the work is, in, is evidenced by the fact that Rabbi Chaim Volosian, Volosian, yeah. thanks, known for his uh, <coughs> opposition to digests of halacha, granted the work his approbation on condition that each section be cross-referenced to the Shulchan Aruch to allow for the further study. The rulings of the Chaye Adam are often cited in later works, especially the Mishnah Barurah. Okay, so that's kind of a big deal, that the Mishnah Bur, the Chofetz Chaim, the author of the Mishnah Bur, actually cites the work that we're going to be looking at from Chaye Adam. And what I, another thing that I really love is that how he came to this title, Chaye Adam. We look at uh, Vayikra 
We have the verse, Ushmartem et chukotai, vet mishpotai, asher yaseotam ha'adam, vechai bahem, ani Hashem. Vechai bahem, and you should live by them. Now, traditionally, we're, we, we use this as a source to understand that, or this became the source to define the parameters for martyrdom. That is to say, there are very few cases in which we're allowed to martyr ourselves. But colloquially, and sort of socially within the, the workings of a Jewish community, we like to say, we like to say, if someone is sick on Shabbat and they need to go to the hospital, you go to the hospital, you get in the car, because life supersedes the law. So for a person who's a halachist, Avram Danzig, to name his work Chaye Adam, not only says something about him, it says something about the audience to which this material is directed. It's directed toward lay people. It's directed toward people who are concerned about being observant Jews, but also have lives. They have real lives. They've got to go about them and they encounter real stuff. Chaye Adam. All right. In contrast, let's look uh, at the next source just by way of introduction. Who would like to read? Bevakasha. Thanks, Alan. Avadat Yisrael, author Israel Hopsin of Koshnitz. This is from 1750 to 1810 in Poland. One of the most complex and penetrating of the Hasidic classics, authored by the Magid of Koshnitz, it draws heavily on his Kabbalistic knowledge. Israel Hopstein was a leading Rebbe who disseminated Hasid Hasidism throughout Poland. His famous book, Avodah Yisrael, was not printed in his lifetime. However, it is known to be his primary work and a foremost Hasidic book, printed in many editions. Hasidic leaders praise the holiness of the book and its author. Thanks, Alan. Okay, so what we have with a Hasidic work is something that's actually very typical of these sources. He didn't write it. This is very, very interesting. I studied Hasidut under Rab Mimi Feigelson, one of arguably one of this generation's great teachers of Hasidism. And the way she presented it to us was like this. And if you think back to Tanaitic times, there was a Tana. There's a person whose job it was to basically recite what the laws and practices were, and then they were recorded in the Mishnah. This person had a fantastic, extraordinary memory. And so in kind, what we had during the period of these Hasidic masters were something akin to the Tana. The person would sit probably during a Sudash Lishit uh, uh, Tish and memorize what the Rebbe was teaching during the course of the Tish and then on Motzei Shabbos sit down having committed the entire thing to memory and write it down. So the manner in which we receive the works that we're looking, to, looking at today are actually quite different. Avram Danzig physically wrote the Chaye Adam, whereas 
what we have in front of us is written by one of his Hasidim, as it was remembered, the teachings as they were remembered. All right. Now, as appropriate to uh, the, the period that we're in, the season that we're in, the material deals in Rosh Hashanah. Now, do we want to have a moment for people to read together in pairs? Does that sound good? Or should we just do it aloud? What do you think? Do it aloud. Do it aloud. Okay. All right. And we'll do that for the benefit of the folks on Zoom as well. Wonderful. All right. So our first source, the Chaye Adam. Uh, is, does anyone feel comfortable reading in either Ivrit or the uh, rough translation that I came up with in English? Vakasha. Steve, wait one second. Microphone. Uh, in Hebrew, Dean, Lel Rosh Hashanah, Tfilat Rosh Hashanah. Belel Rosh Hashanah, Ikanes Leveta Knesset, Bira Valad, Kikvar Higia Haed Lachin, Kisot Lamishpapa Shamay Mimar. Okay, stop there for a second. What's the image that we have? Uh, one should come into the uh, to shul is with great fear and trembling right. uh, because it's already the time uh, in heaven of arranging the uh, uh, the chairs for judgment. Okay, good. So keep that image in mind because it's actually going to come up in the Avodah Yisrael as well. We move from the real, the, the physical people in a shul coming together and then that's reflected directly to what's going on in Shemaim. Continue reading, please. Okay. It is appropriate for each person, even those who are not particularly heedful for davening the evening service as in, in its assigned time. In any event, one should take care during the 10-day period, the 10 days of repentance, beginning on the first day of Rosh Hashanah until the close of Yom Kippur to daven, to worship the evening service, Mariv, in its assigned time. Again, who is he talking to? He's talking to regular Jews. He's talking to the Jews in the pew. Exactly. He's talking to people who, what? They may be a little concerned that they're not so from Maybe, maybe, but he's telling them, continue reading. Okay. And even in other plays where one is not particularly cautious or observant in the course of the year, and even for the individual's level of behavior and observance is not so in general, in any event, one should behave thusly during these specific 10 days because they are the 10 days of repentance and compassion. This is the way I understand it, and you tell me if you think I got it right. He's saying, even if in the rest of the year you're a little bit of a rascal, you got a chance. This is your chance. This is your big chance, right? <clears throat> Any other comments on that? Any other thoughts on that? Am I wrong? Deborah? I'm, I'm going to play a little Phil Donahue here. <laughs> um, 
I think it's funny because he doesn't say, and it's okay if you go back to being a rascal after Yom Kippur, right? So maybe the hope is that if you really step it up during the 10 days of Chuva, it might lead you. Oh, and I'll also do the Phil Donahue stance, <laughs> which means anybody else. Steve, would you like to continue reading? Okay, Yafe. Someone want to pick up in the last paragraph in English, please. And just as. Vivakasha. This is what we say that the Holy One, blessed be he, behaves with kindness. So in kind it is appropriate. So in kind it is appropriate for every person to behave with kindness as much as it is possible for him or her. And one should daven or worship with great kavanah. However, in every event, one should take care not to forget to add what our sages of blessed memory affixed as a regulation in worship for these days. Sakrenu, remember us in life. And in the conclusion of our worship, Melech HaKadosh, the Holy King. Right. Okay. What else? So if, if we're right about thematically, and attitudinally, that's a word, what he's doing in this text, then what's he doing in this part? What, what is he saying? Let's look, let's take it apart for a moment. Just as we say that the Holy One blessed be he behaves with kindness, so in kind is it appropriate for every person to behave with kindness as much as it is possible for him or her. What's he doing? What's the suggestion that he's making, Alan? He's saying, come on time to each tefillah and be very exacting during these 10 days that you're doing everything right at the right time, but don't forget while you're doing that to not be so caught up in that, that you're not also kind. Yeah. Okay, thank you. What else? <laughs> Rabbi Schatz. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure if this is a disagreement with Deb, which I don't usually do. Um, maybe it's just an expansion, but I, I actually see this as similar to what we were talking about during this thing that Rabbi Klickfeld and I did earlier today. Um, that, that this is a way of saying this might be the time to change your behavior, but it if you cannot change your behavior, we should recognize that God is giving you that chance to do so, and it is still better for you to dive in with kavanah and to have the appropriate intention than to do it punctiliously to make sure that you are – my dad always says it's better to be kind than it is to be right, right, that it's it's – important for the law for us to do it in a certain time and in a certain way. And even if you can't get yourself to do that, 
it seems as though the excuse is being made that because God is kind, so too you should be kind to yourself. And whenever you do it, you can have that intention and still see yourself as um, as achieving these goals by going through the different steps of liturgy. Good, thank you. So if we look at the two poles of, of, of uh, concern when we're dealing with tefillah, uh, keva and kavana, he's basically saying both are important. Do which one, if, if you can't do this or if you're not really achieving this, do this, right? Is, is that what he's saying? I, I, I think it's, I, th I think you hit it on the head when he said, God is compassionate, so you be compassionate to yourself. This is the time of year to do that. Not give yourself a break, but understand that this dafka is the time of year when we give others and ourselves a chance. It's a beautiful sentiment because he's not compromising on the importance of tefillah bazman, being punctilious about saying the right words that we say during Aseret Yemei Tshuvah, during the 10 days of repentance. But he's also reminding us in the same breath to be a human being, to have rachamim. Mm, I love it. All right, let's turn to our next source of Adat Yisrael. And could we have a reader in either Ivrit or in English? Okay, Bevakasha. Melamdenu Haderach Larosh Hashana, Yom Hadin Hagadove Hanora, Asher Yavau Beneha Elohim, Lehit Yatsev Al Hashem, Umalim Hakit Rug? What does that mean? Okay. Um, al Uma, Israelit, Al Hashanash, Avrash, Asu, Kach, Vecha. You want me to keep going? Okay. Our path to Rosh Hashanah, the awesome and great day of judgment, teaches, as it is alluded in Job 1 6 that the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. The prosecuting angels, God forbid, came to pass judgment upon the nation of Israel regarding those sins committed by the people Israel in the year which is past, that they, Israel, did thus and such. Okay, so in the same way that Abu Dhabi Israel is beginning with this image of a heavenly court being convened at this time, so too does our Kabbalist, and it seems much more, more appropriate, much more within his wheelhouse, let's say, to speak in these terms, in these sort of lofty terms of what's going on in heaven and the relationship between what's going on in heaven and earth. What's this? <coughs> And of course, the people of Israel are holy, and among them are righteous, great ones who behave in that manner all year long. In any case, 
everyone in general regrets for his transgressions and repents during the month of Elul and on Rosh Hashanah and increases both Torah and good deeds. On the merits of this, a good recommender will rise and advocate regarding our righteousness, and we will triumph in the final judgment. Okay, did we get to that? Well, you did. So, a good recommender. Go ahead, Rabbi Chaff. Let's add Kenu ve'anan natzchin dina. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, let's, okay. let's just stop there for a second. Advocate regarding our righteousness, and we will triumph in the final judgment. He's already outlining the end point, the end takeaway from all of this. First, he presents this incredibly frightening image that this heavenly court is convening, similar to uh, what's presented in the first chapter of Job, first chapter of the sixth verse, where there is some sort of nasty advocacy taking place and we need to be careful about it. And then he's like, yeah, but among the people Israel are all these great tzaddikim. And we regret what we've done. It's like, it's, it's as if he's doing a shorthand version of the entire trial. Uh, 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 breaking it down for us and giving us, whew, it's kind of like, and my case rests, and we will triumph in the final judgment. Thank you, Your Honor. Let's continue. Oh, that's why. That's why we have a love and a drug. Now I know. Yeah, good. Um, I lost my place. Leharo lechulam de anan natschin dina. Kemevar bezohar hakadosh. Velif Amim, Hagam Shechas Veshalam Israel, Enam Reuim, Bemaasehem, Rakbiz Hut Avotam Hagadoshim, Velimud, Zechutche Kadosh Baruchu, Melamed Albanav, Hem Gam Ken, Notzchin Hadin. So he's not, in, at least in this passage, he's not concerned with the same priority as Rabbi Danzig. Rabbi Danzig is concerned with Tefillah. The nuts and bolts of what we do during Rosh Hashanah, Aseret Yemei Tshuvah and Yom Kippur, Davin, and make sure you say, Michamoch Avarachamin and Melacha Kavod, check your boxes off, right? He continues, by contrast, with this language of advocacy. First, he's saying, and let me tell you about the lulav and etrog. Lulav and etrog are kind of like us waving our, our, the weapons of triumph in some sort of parade after Yom Kippur by saying, we did it, we made it. Woohoo, party time, right? And then he goes back to, he grounds us again. This is who we really are. So in a sense, they're both talking, they're both addressing the same reality, the same on the ground type of Yidden, the same type of Jews who may be concerned, uh, maybe I didn't really meet up to requirements during the course of the year. This is my chance. I 
Occasionally, it also is also the case that, God forbid, the people are not worthy. It is only by the merit of their holy... So it's kind of like we've got it locked up because of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. If all these other things don't work, don't worry, because we've got the zechut avot to back us up. It's insurance, is what he's saying, right? Any other thoughts? There's a great story about the um, about Avram Danzig, by the way. His family and his community had this tradition called gunpowder Purim. What, what on earth is that, right? Apparently, in the community where they lived and very close to their home, there was some sort of catastrophic explosion. I think it may have been in some sort of weapons factory or something like this. And his family escaped uh, injury. And so they started a tradition on the anniversary of that event to have a Sauda, and they called it Gunpowder Purim. Go figure. All right. Any other thoughts? Any other questions? Any other, any spitballs? Anybody on Zoom? Boy, that's what I look like on Zoom. Okay. Okay. I'll say something, because yeah. I have the microphone, so why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, I... This one, for some reason, feels like a cop out to me, much mm. more so than <laughs> much more so than the yeah. first one. Yeah. Maybe it's because there doesn't seem to be an action item, right? Every time that it's that there's an ask of the people, it says, "Well, but you you will triumph in the final judgment, so so don't don't worry, don't worry that any of the things that might lead to that would go wrong." Which I know that I'm contradicting myself from what I said the first time, but. There isn't any, uh, there isn't any challenge in that because if you know that you're always going to make it to the finish line, there isn't a challenge to to do it, to do it better than you did last time, right? To make your, I don't know, your your speed in the race any better if yeah. you know that you're always going to make it to the to the finish line. I don't run races. I don't know if that's actually how people feel, but in terms of this last line here, the if if it's the merit of our forefathers, then. Why do we have to do anything at all? Like if I came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then why do I have to be in shul for the next month and a half every single day, right? There's, there's, it seems from this that if the, if the end result is going to be quote positive, right? At Camp Ramah, we say everyone's a winner at Camp Ramah. Like if everyone's going to be a winner it, at the end of the high holiday season, what's our, what's our challenge? What's keeping us going? What's keeping us coming back to this? to feel like we do get something out of it. Um, we, we get something out of the work that leads us to that finish line. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm just reading it pessimistically, but I that, that seems to be what I get from the last piece here. Okay, intense. Steve, please. I, I think that he is addressing a particular audience here. Um, as a leader of a Hasidic community. He was addressing people who didn't have the resources of the time to study, to go to shul every day, um, and to do those things that certain other members of what we now call the Snagdik community yes. could do, or people who had the resources and could spend the time going to shul on time every day and studying and, and so on. And I think he's saying, 
look, you do what you can, uh, and it'll be okay in the end. Uh, and so, um, apart from the general uh, view of, of, of um, not give yourself a break, but recognize that there's always time to begin again, uh, I think it's important to recognize the audience that he was writing for. Um, and, and we interpret this to, um, in, in a particular way for our particular time and our particular uh, uh, ways of life. Um, but they weren't the ways of life. They're not the ways of life of the people he was addressing. And I think it's important to Historical context. I totally agree. You know, and furthermore, I think it's, I, I, I'm not sure if it's coincidental that he is invoking Sukkot when we, you know, we, we, we think of Yom Kippur as, uh, you know, as Ne'ilah, as the last chance, right? But in fact, we have this tradition uh, uh, during Hoshana Rabbah to take the Aravot and to smack them on the ground and to use that as a as sort of our last plea, as our last chance. But, but, but what's implicit in that is that the last chances kind of continue on. They continue from Shabbat to Shabbat to Shabbat, because if, it, if, if the last chance, okay, yes, Neila, important, very important. I'm going to e actually even talk about this at the Shtibel, how, what our Kavanahs should look like during Neila. Don't want to minimize that. Don't want to diminish the importance of that. But as we move on from that, and we still find ourselves alive, manifest on this earth, Motzei Yom Kippur, maybe with some heaviness still hanging over us, there is another chance. The doors aren't quite as shut as the, they might seem, perhaps, uh -huh. is the message. Not only liturgically, but in the message of our tradition in general as well. God's compassionate. And, and we have, and we, we, we are descended from people who have our back, right? Yeah. yeah. I wanted to respond to both what Rebecca, uh, Rabbi Schatz and, and Steve said, because I think uh, on one level, there's still, I, I agree that it's, it's focused on the time of what's taking place and who, who your audience is, but he responds by saying, yeah, yes, but we know that you're still going to do your introspection and you're going to do your chuva and be able to gain merit in that respect. So he's saying that even though you may not be praying as much, you're still going to be focusing on that. And then you, you come back the lulav and the etrog and everything, it's the thumbs up and what, everything that that represents. And the, the final point regarding the, the schut avot is that it's not like you can't do anything. This is a Hasidic master. Perhaps what he's saying is in the end, your, your final judgment will be in Olam Haba yes. and not necessarily in this world yes, and what's yeah. taking place. Good. I didn't think about that like that a lot. Deborah. I just, how are we doing on time, by the way? We're just for now, like 10 minutes. Okay. Um, I also, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I don't remember as I sit here because I'm picturing 
the Avodah service on Yom Kippur and then how Yom Kippur is described in the Torah. And I can't remember what's in the text of the Torah and what's in the in the Machsor, but it it also I believe there's also a sense that it'll come out okay on Yom Kippur too, right? Like the thread changes color and everything's gonna be all right in the end. And also the final redemption will come. So it's, it is kind of, well, why do we bother? Because we know it's coming, but it seems like there's something about going through the process that's really important, even though we know it's going to work out okay. And, and he's also not saying that this uh, difficult court will not convene uh, in, in the imagery that's presented that he's elaborating upon and drawing from from Eov and and what this passage is actually sort of a gloss on how the Zohar presents it. That there are uh, people who are advocating, there are entities, let's say, advocating against us, looking point by point at what we did during the course of the year. So the element of let's say trepidation still exists that's you said what i was going to say that during the process itself there is the the trepidation even though in, in the long run we know that we're going to win each time see we hope we hope anyhow we, we hope but anyhow the idea is that the that during the process itself every year we we worry about uh, you know Will we get through this time? It's, it's, it doesn't feel so assured. That's right. That's right. It's, it's regardless of what these rebeim are offering us in in ways of reassurance. It really comes down to what happens while we're sitting there in the process of davening, reviewing our years, doing din v'cheshbon, doing do, doing that self accounting of who we are, being honest with ourselves if we can, if we can possibly get to that place uh, and, and, and bring out the meaning of what these days are all about, um, then it is highly consequential, regardless of what, it was, if someone is saying, don't worry about it, you're gonna be okay, right? Because, because we know that life is incredibly uncertain. We don't, we, we, we like to think that we, we are, um, that we have some insurance. We like to think that our avot are advocating in our behalf in, in eternity. We like to think that the tzaddikim, the righteous among us, have, whose, whose deeds are so overwhelmingly positive and good, are actually making up for the rascal behaviors that we're putting out there. But in fact, you know, as, uh, as uh, Reb Shlomo Karlobach used to say, he said, 10 minutes, why, why are we saying in Ashamnu during the Ma'ariv, right after Yom Kippur? He, I loved this. He said this because 10 minutes after Yom Kippur, I'm back to my old tricks. Yeah. My 
mom when we were growing up was the director of members with at Sinai Temple. And um, I, that, the, the intro doesn't need to be shared, but, um, and she used to say that, you know, the, that's exactly right, that as soon as Naila ended, everybody was so um, uh, focused on their behavior through Yom Kippur, because I'm supposed to be a better person, and I'm supposed to be nice, and I, et cetera, et cetera. And as soon as the cookies and the orange juice went out on your way out, and I don't know if you know the building, but there's a ginormous parking lot. Everybody's back to needing another Yom Kippur, right? It, you you turn, you you forget, you turn on. And obviously, we always hope every year that that's not going to be the case. But the fact that it is so quick for us to go back to old habits and behaviors that could be hurtful both to ourselves but also to others, uh, it does. It happens as soon as Naila ends, and. Um, and so I love that Reb Shlomo Karlibach piece because, of course, that's why we should say all those things right up until the end because we should remind ourselves that even once it's over, and maybe that's why we pick up the lulav and etrog, right, as part of this whole piece here because it shouldn't be over until until it's really over. Um, we should be able to kind of carry those things in from Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, etc., through through to that season as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Me, uh, he married me with uh, David Montag that wow. he made him into a rabbi. But wow. it was a short time, but thanks God, underneath the Keshet in uh, Jerusalem. I will never forget oh, yeah. that. May rest in what peace. May David Montag rest so I want to wish everyone a Shana Tova Metukah, Gamar Tova. You should be inscribed and sealed for a good new year. And uh, in, the, in the meantime, for what's left of this day, Shabbat Shalom and Shavua Tov. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.